like green light, green light. That's a payday. Come up on a lick. That's a payday. Come across a brick. That's a payday. Papa getting rich. That's a payday. Welcome to my first episode of the Payday Podcast, where I get to be the host. And today I have an awesome guest. Um, I want to tell a story about this guest. Um, I can remember this was maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember the exact timing, but there was a roofing company um, in Columbus and we were needing help to get this company to move over to our payroll related solution at the company I used to work at. And we needed a good health broker to bring in. So we brought in Jamie Charlton at Saxon and I had already done my part in the first meeting. So it was one of those sales meetings where I got to just really sit back, watch somebody else do their thing and also look at how the prospect was responding. And it was one of those moments where I saw this person kill it and they killed it and, and got this person answered all their questions was they were a subject matter expert in their field they were likable. They built rapport immediately. And to be honest, they were a big reason we ended up closing that deal. Um, so I think really highly of this person. That's why I had to have them on here when I wanted to do an episode on benefits um, and healthcare. So how are we doing today, Jamie? Good, Matt. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that story. Awesome. Awesome. So we've known each other a while. Yeah. I wanted to ask you... Um, 2008, you know, the federal government um, passes ACA Obamacare and the entire world acts like health insurance is going to evaporate and go away. Um, health insurance brokers are starting to run, especially from small businesses, yet you didn't do that. Yeah. So tell me how you led to becoming one of the fastest growing small business brokers in this market during a time where everybody else was running away from doing what you do. Yeah, you bet. So, um, so as you mentioned, you know, 08, we're coming out of the recession, then 10, they, they passed the ACA and we decided, you know, we, we've always been a firm as a small business ourselves. You know, we've always been a, a big supporter of small businesses and that's, you know, the great relationship you and I have formed working with that, that market segment, that small to mid-sized business. And, we threw our cars on the table and said, hey, you know what? We're going to learn this ACA inside and out, and we're, we're going to roll with it and make sure these small businesses have that support that a lot of them don't have. Uh, a lot of small businesses don't have 10 levels of HR, yep. uh, you know, they don't, or, or even an HR person. It's usually you walk in and it's, uh, you know, an owner's spouse that's running HR and payroll and compliance, um, or it's, or it's a, 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 a sibling. Or, a, or next of kin or something, yep, whatever yep, you want to call that person. Yep, yep. So we're there to support that person. So when ACA happens, all these companies are going, what the hell do we do? We still need benefits. We don't want this because our rates are going to go up. And the cool thing about Ohio is, hey, they created, I think the ACA was the best thing that happened to small and mid-sized businesses from a benefit standpoint, because a lot of things got creative. The industry had to get really creative. So we said, hey, we're in. And so a lot of a lot of the a lot of our competitions that we're getting out of this market, we stayed in, and you know the rest is history, as they say. Um, you know we learned it really well. We know how to navigate that market. We know the products inside and out that that these businesses need. You know when I say businesses too, when I say small business, we're talking fifty employees and under. And then when you go to fifty one and ninety nine, that's the next segment of business, and you have a hundred plus. So the ACA really segmented 
the the industry more than it was in the past. So you have that two to fifty employee size group, fifty one plus, and then ninety nine or fifty one to ninety nine and ninety nine plus. So we threw our cars on the table, said, "Hey, we're going to learn this two to one hundred space really well," and and here we are. So the entire industry had some new innovative things happening. Yeah. Are you? Referring to the creation of, of the Ohio Miwas, is that what comes to mind? You got it. So, yes, yeah, so I always laugh at, at the industry because, you know, we helped write this law. As soon as it got passed, we're poking holes in it to figure out that it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be. So yeah. to your point, that's how Miwas got created. Um, so Miwas are, are a self-insured group. It's, you know, the only way you can underwrite in the ACA world is to have a self-insured platform. In the under 50 space, I'm talking about. Yep. So in the under 50 space, all these carriers that the ACA was going to be a good thing figured out, hey, they're going to lose a lot of good business because these these employer groups just weren't going to take that 30% increase just because they couldn't underwrite anymore. So MIWAS got formed. We went to level funded plans in that 2 to 50 space. So a lot of new opportunities came about for that 2 to 50 size business that weren't there before ACA. And that's why I say ACA was actually a good thing for that small to mid-sized business because it gave them a lot more choices than what they had prior to ACA getting passed. So the ACA had some positive things for businesses who really just want to offer a good group health benefit oh, to yeah. their employees. Um, I can remember earlier in my career, the small business health insurance area, there was almost too many products that made it a little bit intimidating to figure out like, is this a real health insurance product or is this like in the, in, in the, when I worked in the restaurant industry, um, we were offered these mini med packages and I used to tell my coworkers, that's not your deductible. That's your out of pocket max. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what that meant. People just, it's hard to understand. Yeah. So they're, you know, so I do feel, I, I do get what you're saying. Like I, I, I felt like you guys just embraced it and, um, you're, you're, you're pretty honest with the business owners. Like this is, this is how you do this. Yeah. You, you got to almost be willing to look at each Miwa every couple of years and figure out which one of them is wanting your business this time around. If you happen to have a, a bigger renewal and you're in a position to shop it aggressively. So you guys do a really good job with that. How, how do you feel you differentiate from some of the other small business health brokers in our market? That's a great question. So, so a couple of ways, and, and you alluded to one of them. It's there's so much confusion out there. Um, you've got to educate people. You know, everybody wants to. You know, again, going back to the exchange. Everybody thought the exchange was going to be the answer. Well, when's the last time you went on the exchange and shopped for health insurance and knew what out of pocket was, knew what deductible was, knew what copay was, what level you're getting, knew what network you had. Yeah. The the American public doesn't do that. They rely on their employer to do that. Those employers are wearing multiple hats. So what we do is we go in and educate. So every time I hire a new client, I have two rules. One, we shop them every year. So even if they get a 2% increase, we're going to at least take a look at the market, make sure that's still the best opportunity. And if it's not, at least that employer knows it's not, and they, he or she can decide to stay with that carrier or move to a new carrier. The other one is employee education. We always have an open enrollment meeting, whether it's a three-person company or a thousand-person company. We'll go on site and meet with those people. Nowadays, with Zoom and Teams and all that, maybe that employer chooses to do it that way. But either way, we tell that employer we're going to be on site. So we're big on education. We have a full-service team to, 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 again, take care of that two-person company up to our thousand-person companies that work to make sure that those employees are taken care of. We're very hands-on with our team, with our clients, for a reason. And you yep. bring that up. People don't understand it. What's the claim look like? What's an explanation of benefits? You know, Do I owe this provider? Do I not owe that provider? 
I'm in an HSA. Is this, how do I shop HSAs? Where's the transparency tools? So we're very big on that. And then I think we're going to do this a little bit later, but when COVID hit, you yeah. know, technology really became a big player in this space. Before COVID hit, a lot of these employers wanted hands-on, 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 paper, paper, paper. Yeah. Well, the nice thing, and, and again, we'll get to that in a minute, but COVID really changed the game for us as well when technology became to the came to the forefront. Yeah, speaking of COVID, we felt that in payroll as well. Um, everybody was trying to figure out how to do everything in a more paperless way. And so you guys have been embracing that for a while. So you were prepared for this big um, – this, this, as demand exponentially increased for businesses to move their open enrollment to more of a paperless process. Cause you guys are big with this software called employee navigator. And I'm familiar with employee navigator and payroll because it's such a popular, easy system that brokers can provide to small businesses mm-hmm. free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and my system actually integrates with it. So they've done a good job of building integrations with a lot of payroll companies so that we can get the deduction data fed right into my system so there's no manual work um, with new hires who have deductions starting when they become eligible or with the big company open enrollment so it is a pretty cool seamless process um the other thing I, i've i've told you this before i i almost told you like you guys need to sell this about yourselves more <laughs> is you guys do a wonderful job with navigator at owning the carrier connection piece so this is you know, after open enrollment, everybody's picked the right plans for their family. But now usually there's anywhere from two to five different carriers. And you got to get all that data over to those carriers very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Navigator just is really revolutionized how that's done, you know, in the entire health insurance world. And you guys were early in f- creating a whole team around Navigator to, to make it work. So, um you know, what, what was, what's been the challenge as your, your predominant role is the health and the health broker, the, the salesperson, you, you mm-hmm. bring in a lot of the new clients, yep. but I know you're also a big part of your, your team back at Saxon, who is running the navigator piece. What, how is just as you guys have evolved into navigator the last, you know, five to 10 years, how is, how has that changed what you guys do? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and again, you know, every crisis there, you can either take the, the downward view or the upward view. You know, so COVID, again, kind of like the ACA we talked about earlier, COVID was an opportunity for us to get in here because we couldn't go see people. So what do you do? Do you just shut people off and say, hey, here's your renewal. We'll take it. Sorry, Matt. Call us when COVID's done. We go see you again. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, I'm like you. We like to go see people. Yep. Well, we couldn't see people, not by choice, but just because of the rules. So we finally got our clients who were pushing this technology off and off. We, we said, hey, we have no choice. And people are like, where has this been for the last 10 years? I said, we've had it. You just didn't want to adapt it. And now, to your point, it's just an easy button. So we can integrate with our payroll partners. We can integrate with the carriers. And so now that HR person at that company, all he or she has to do is send a link out to a new hire and say, hey, Bob Smith, go in and pick your benefits. Bob Smith's done in 30 seconds. Comes right to our, our team. Our team takes care of it with the carriers. It's seamless transition. You guys pick it up on the paycheck, so it makes it easy. They get term, Bob Smith terms, HR goes in, hits term button, Bob Smith's out of the system. So not only does it help with administrative uh, onboarding, but it also takes away from, and I know you've been in this position where you walk into a group and they they finally audit their bill because they have time to sit down yep. because they're looking at it and they see that Sally's been on the bill for a year and they've been paying for Sally for a year and Sally hasn't worked for them for a year and they just yep. lost how many thousands of dollars on Sally's premium. Well, this takes away that that audit 
headache as well. So, it, you know, it's always started big and it's working its way down. And to your point, you know, we've been a big advocate of, of bringing these direct feeds from the carriers down to the, to the carrier in group size to the carriers. You know, there's a cost to it. I understand that, you know, yep. the cost, cost reward, but there's so much opportunity in a small group that these carriers want, to your point, yeah. that they're now bringing it down. So this direct feed is getting better and better and better. So it's, it's almost becoming a very seamless process. But the good news about us at Saxon is we have a full team behind that. So if our clients ever do run into a problem, they call us directly local. They yeah. don't have to call a technology company or a carrier to be put on hold for four hours. They can talk to us directly and we'll help them fix that. That's great. Um, I know my wife works with you guys yep. personally. Um, she, I was, I've been working at home at the same time as her, and I hear her on the phone with with Carrie, or and I've met Jake on your team. You you guys do a really great job. And for folks out there who are like, you know, maybe they have 20, 30 employees, you know, and it's and it's that one person who wears, you know, twenty hats. They don't have an HR person like my comp like my wife's company does. So you know, they're just really scared and they get confused. And, you know, like people like us, sometimes we go off in our payroll and health insurance tangents and these, these people, I just don't want to deal with it. So tell me a little bit more about how you guys help kind of act as that benefit administrator. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, something that HR consultants can sometimes do. Where do you, what do you guys do for literally no charge? And at what point would you bring in some of your HR partners? Because that's a little too much. Cause you know, cause I know you do more than most brokers, but I'd like to better understand what is your cutoff when they need to bring somebody else on. So we do everything benefits. So HR, everybody thinks when you say benefits, it's HR. Yep. So HR is this big globe. We do one, we do one piece of that pie. And yep. that's benefits. So we don't, you know, you got workers comp out there. You've got uh, OSHA compliance, for example. Yeah. You've my, got- my wife would always tell me that Matt, H- workers comp is not that big, big a big part of HR at all. And I yeah. used to, because that's what I used to do. Yeah. So I agree with you there. Yeah. So you got, you know, your compliance, other outside EEOC, Stand- yep. Fair Labor Standard Act, yada yada. We can go on with all the acronyms. That's that's HR. So if they have questions about that, we have HR partners that we'll bring in and say, hey, we we need this help with. Um, with Fair Labor Standard Act, for example, or discrimination. So that's where we cut off. So we're very specific to our lane. We work with specialists, payroll. You know, there's a lot of brokers that think they can do payroll. I don't want to do payroll. I don't want to know taxes in Hawaii. I don't want taxes in Washington. I know benefits in those states. I don't want to know that. So we're very in our lane when it comes to compliance for benefits, when it comes to the ACA, when it comes to benefit types of things. And we embrace technology and people together. To do that, I have a wonderful team. So if our, if our clients get stuck and need a person, they call us. If they want technology, we have that solution. But we stay in our lane when it comes to benefits because that's what we're good at. And, and the way the world is going, everything is getting so specific and so detail oriented. If you're going to be a generalist, good luck. Yep. You know, you may be able to pass the buck for a while, but sooner or later you're going to get stuck. And I don't ever put my clients in that position. Uh, yeah. Handbooks. I love the story about handbooks. Everybody just thinks they can get online and go get a handbook. And I walk in and people have a hundred page handbook. And if yeah. I put it in front of an HR rep, you know, somebody that knows HR compliance, they'll tear that down to about 15 pages yep. because that people go and just download everything out of a, an HR handbook, you know, from a, from a dummy file. Yes. Oh yeah. They're, they're, they're setting themselves up for failure because they're putting stuff in there that doesn't need to be in there, but they don't know any better. So that's so I don't know if that answers your question, but no, we stay it, in our lane yeah. of benefits only when it comes to HR. And we we I, I'm in the same role because, you know, we stay in our lane as well in payroll. But 
we touch so many other things that we don't technically do. And I have found in my business development role, I have to be that expert in who's good at all this other stuff to all. And that's part of my service. And I don't think my clients appreciate how well I've researched this and how I vet people who are good at what they do and make sure I, those are the people that I bring to the table, you know, for them to help them with those things. But then also understanding like, you know, not many payroll people really dove into understanding how my system talks to carriers versus how navigator talks to carriers. And we've had this conversation like, you know, my my whole HCM system isn't always the best fit for a company with 20 employees. However, sometimes if I do have a company with 150, they want an HCM. They We can still work with you as the broker to, to shop all those different yep. carriers for them, but that might be where the HCM piece comes in. So it's, it's complicated, mm-hmm. but you got to know your market. So, um, yeah, and I would add to that too, you know, don't, what's it? Don't be pound, don't, don't trip over a dollar to save a penny. Is that what I it like is? That. I like that. You know, yeah. so I know there's costs up front to set up systems that you and I employ, but what I tell employers is that that cost today will save you a lot tomorrow. Yep. You know, so, so, so spend a little bit extra now to set up the proper systems. Yep. So you're not in trouble later going, oh man, now I got to go back and... New small business softwares, even more than the big enterprise software stuff, it's like nobody ever appreciates it as you're going through it. Like you can't, like we can't like go get testimonials yeah. for some of our clients because it is a little bit to, to learn it. But then the, what's what's common with all of them is once they're two or three years in, you go to them, they can't imagine going back to how they did it before. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I wish people in the small business sector would appreciate that is as they move stuff off these paper processes. And, you know, like I see that with, you know, simple stuff in payroll, like PTO and vacation tracking, you did it 20 years on spreadsheets. Now you move it into, into my system. And then, you know, and getting the balances and everything perfect in the transition can be a little tedious, but man, once that's been rolling for five years, you never want to go back to doing it on that spreadsheet again. Same thing with you. Um, So um, back to, your history. And I ask all my guests this question because um, it is the payday podcast. Uh, what was your first ever payroll job? Not your first little under the table thing, your yeah. first job where you got a paycheck where they likely took out social security, Medicare tax. Do you remember? I do. So it was actually, I was 15 and a half uh, at little Caesars pizza. That's awesome. Yeah. Little, just, little Caesars. Little Caesars. So we both have that in common. We both came out of, out of food service. Yeah. What, 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 do you remember what year roughly that was? Maybe what you made? Oh man, that was in, I was a, a sophomore in high school. So that would have been 92, 93. Um, I, man, back then it was probably five bucks, five twenty-five an hour. I mean, it's really? amazing where we gone from five twenty-five minimum wage to 17, but yeah. Pizza places is, uh, I hear pretty tough. I never, I never, I worked in food service. Yeah. I never did do the pizza place then. Did you have to... Did you have all, did you have the crust already formed at Little Caesars or did yes. you have to f- So when we were 18 you can't touch the crust machine to your 18 or the dough machine. Oh. So we would come in and all the dough would be formed yep. in the pans and so we would just grab them from the pans and then go from from dough up. Okay. So yep. Is there any lessons from like any of your managers or anything even that job or your first couple jobs that you think helps you in what you do today? Yeah, I I you know, especially being in the food service, I mean, people rely on you to make sure their stuff's right. So paying attention to detail, you know, 
Do you want pepperoni? Do you want sausage? Do you want back then it was the pizza pizza. So you get two pizzas at once. Yes, yeah. And I now I literally just gone a single pizza. So, you know, making sure that one pizza's done right way and the other one's the other way. I forgot about that. Yeah. You just reminded me of yeah. the two pizzas every so we'd time you ordered. Two, you know, packages this big. We yeah. come in and walk out with two pizzas. So just just the details and then the taking pride. Uh, yes. you know. Can you make a pizza in thirty? Absolutely, but then does it look sloppy? You know, does the does the tomato sauce fit in the ring? Does the cheese fit in the ring? Do you put enough pepperonis in the right place? It's just the little details like that that matter. Even yes. now, as we're professionals, you know, it, it, I still harp on on the the little details. Do yes. we do we, you know, and in our world, the details are important. Yes. you miss a detail. That could cost. Or in its communication about oh, detail. Huge. Yeah. Like I can tell when somebody didn't work in food service and they just, they, they don't talk to the clients in the right oh. way. And you have to kind of coach them like, this is what they need. Speak to what they just asked for. So saying that, man, that's huge because every back then we didn't have cell phones, obviously text, no internet. So everything came away at a wall of four, four phones. That's how our delivery, you know, that's how yeah. we end. So being on the phone, how do you handle the phone as four phones are ringing? You're taking orders and being polite and communicating and, and using those. I mean, how many people can talk on a phone these days, let alone handle three or four of them? Yeah. So yeah, that's a, when you mentioned that. That's that was huge. You, you got to get communication cheat codes. Like yeah. you learn to ask these little questions, and yeah. if they say something, you know, to ask this because you had one where it creates more work if you don't yeah. figure out what they want in the long run. And I think that that applies to business. I know for me though, from food service, when I got into corporate, you know. Um, I still communicated very much like in the restaurant industry yeah. and that did not do me well to talk to my operational team in the same way I would talk to like the line cooks I worked with in the restaurant industry. So it took me some adjusting. That's what I always tell people like uh, folks with food service experience are can be awesome hires, but they, yeah. they might need a little bit of. You know, there could be a little rough around the edges and mm -hmm. they might just need a little bit of coaching on, on how to communicate in that professional environment. But man, do they care about the client yes. and getting it right with the client and avoiding making those mistakes. Um, another detail for me that, um, you know, in, in my sales career, and I bring this up on the podcast was I, I talk a lot about football and how like I was never really part of a successful football team, not since fifth grade. So I, I, I played a lot and I was on a lot of losing teams, but I think all that losing helped me develop this um, unemotional response to not getting deals. I can move on and keep working. Um, so if I remember you're, you, were you more into another sport besides no, I was, a, I was a wrestler and football player. You're a wrestler and football player. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So were you good? Did you have a lot of success in, in, in those sports? We did. did. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Okay. And that's you're still killing it in health and <laughs> as a broker too. So um, but um I always like to ask people on my podcast this question about football. So you know football, you played football. What mm -hmm. position did you personally play? I played receiver and, and defensive back. Receiver and defensive back. Okay. So um, I made this analogy where I felt like in my role in payroll, I felt like I'm still like an offensive lineman because we don't get celebrated. You know, that that's the position I feel like I play. So imagine a business mm -hmm. um, is a football team. If you could align what the health broker is to that business as a position on a football team, defense, offense, or special teams, what position would you? So I would, I would, Equate us to a middle linebacker. Okay. You know, you're always, you got to be shedding, you got to have your head on a swivel. 
Head a lot of things swivel. are coming. You I like know? that. Yeah, you, you know, you're shedding the offensive lineman coming. I, I used to block middle linebacker. There you go. That, that was my skill set as a center. So yeah. yeah. So we're always we're always shedding that block. You know, you had a lot of things coming at you, whether it be other brokers coming in with with different information or new different plan types coming in and the new great. Oh, I idea. love that. I love that. Yeah, because you know, health brokers even more than payroll. Like you guys are always just trying to put something in somebody's head that they're not doing and that's the next big thing so that makes a lot of sense i love i love that analogy of the middle linebacker as the health broker so um if your business needs a really solid defensive person to help make them successful so that their employees are happy with their benefit programs um i highly recommend they uh Go talk to Jamie over at Saxon. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, we'd love to talk to him. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's a payday. Payday. Come on,